The Democrat virtual convention to nominate the Democrats virtual candidate is now virtually underway. The theme of this exciting event is uniting America in self-hatred and mutual distrust. Chairman of the Democrat National Committee, Mao Tse Heju, says the party is hoping the event will show off Democrat diversity by presenting people of various races, all saying the same thing. In an interview with the Antifa newspaper Der Sturmer, Heju said, quote, We want our party to look like America, and we want America to look like a flaming dung heap, with people ripping each other's eyes out and then cutting their own throats. When you turn on the convention, you'll see blacks and white, gays and straights, men and women, and every one of them will be united in hating the rest of them. When you ask yourself, what does democracy look like? You'll finally be able to answer, it looks like a group of masked hooligans dressed in black burning down your neighborhood for no reason. Of course, that's also what fascist terror looks like, but you'll be able to tell the difference because we're Democrats, so it's right in the name, unquote. After a series of preliminary speeches from virtual Republicans who have become virtual Democrats because they couldn't get elected virtual dog catcher in the Republican Party, the Democrats will break out the big guns, firing indiscriminately at anyone who disagrees with them. To underscore the breadth of the party's outreach, the convention will be made available through various platforms, including being painted on the forehead of the George Washington Monument on Mount Rushmore and written in blood on the houses of the Democrats' enemies. You'll also be able to download the convention directly by driving a nail into the center of your forehead to recreate the experience of listening to John Kasich giving a speech. Finally, Kamala Harris will accept the nomination wearing a Joe Biden mask, which she'll take off to reveal a Kamala Harris mask, which she'll take off to reveal Kamala Harris. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. All right. Hello once again. I hope you will go over to the Andrew Clavin YouTube channel and subscribe. I noticed last time I looked, we were over 90,000. We want to get to 100,000. So that means go on and subscribe again and again and again uh, or get your family to subscribe or just subscribe under the names of people, you know, especially people who might hate it. Leave a comment. And if the comment is slightly above brain dead, we will consider it to have raised the level of discourse on this show and we will read it on the air. Here is one from Jacob Reese. Uh, he says, without the beautiful Clavin, I fear my life would seem more like a Seattle Starbucks dumpster moments before being lit on fire by peaceful protesters. Uh, just a fact check. It will actually seem like a uh, Seattle Starbucks dumpster moments after uh, it was lit by <laughs> peaceful protesters. So one of the great challenges that's facing conservatives right now is defining what we stand for. Uh, as President Trump has done, as president, Trump has done a great job of fending off threats to our liberty. And in some of Trump's br brilliantly written speeches and in speeches by Mike Pompeo and Bill Barr, the administration has stood up for the central pillars of Western civilization, especially it's essentially Christian respect for the individual and his rights. But Trump's bumptious personality, his all over the place tweets and his tendency to shoot from the lip have sometimes driven people away from his scripted message. Basically, Trump is a fixer as far as his personality goes. He himself has said this. He's a guy whose philosophy is, is, is broken. I'll make it work, which is great. 
but it doesn't give us a long-term philosophy with which to convince the young and the undecided. With the left burning down our cities and pushing absurd and random regulations in a naked grab for power and pushing socialism, this could be a tremendous moment of realignment that, if rightly done, could make the GOP the majority party, whether Trump wins in November or not. It's time for conservatives to decide who we are as a party. What kind of party can include a staunch religious conservative like John MacArthur and a gay middle-of-the-road guy like Dave Rubin? How can we continue to be that kind of broad coalition without letting our underlying values turn to ashes? I've said this before, but I think it's time to return to it from a new angle. I no longer think this country is actually defined by right and left, or that is, I think right and left are being redefined as we speak. I think the central division now is between friends of the founding and enemies of the founding. Those, like me, who believe the principles of the Declaration are worth defending, and those who believe, in the words of the New York Times, that racism and other evils are in our DNA, and from the very start, we've been in the wrong. As we go forward toward election, I'm going to try to work out a little more, in a little more detail, what it means to be a friend of the founding. I have to tell you, uh, you know, I always joke about the fact that... um, you know, I don't sleep at all. And right now I'm writing this, uh, you know, and I, when I do these Helix mattress ads, I always talk about the fact that as a person who doesn't, you know, you want them to sleep on because they're so comfortable. But I lie awake at night and I just appreciate them being so comfortable as I lie awake at night. And uh, it's really funny because I'm writing this mystery story. I was a uh, mystery novella that I was asked to write for Mysterious Press, a, a Christmas novella, not for this Christmas, but next Christmas. And I'm coming to the end of it and I'm just wired. And I was, I must have slept literally, I mean literally 20 minutes last night. And I knew this Helix ad was coming out and I was thinking, Wow, this really is a comfortable mattress to be lying awake on all night long. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preference to the perfect mattress for you. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Clavin, take the two-minute quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Helix mattresses have a 10-year warranty. They're made right in America, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free, and they'll even pick it up for you for free if you don't love it but you will. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash Clavin. Get up to $200 off at helixsleep.com slash Clavin. Whether you sleep or whether you lie awake like me asking the big questions like, how do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. Tomorrow is Mailbag Day, so you want to go on and subscribe to dailywire.com. Absolutely. That is what you will sound like because you'll be so happy when I answer all your questions. You go to dailywire.com, you hit the podcast button, you hit the Andrew Clavin podcast, hit the mailbag. You can ask me about religion. You can ask me about politics. You can ask me about your personal life. All my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life. Will they change your life for the better? Don't ask so many questions, damn it. All right. So I'm sure you were all glued to your TV set uh, because why else would you watch the Democrat National Convention unless you had accidentally glued yourself <laughs> to your TV set and couldn't go anywhere else? It was amazing to me. It was amazing to me to watch these people preach violence, socialism, and sexual weirdness and make it so incredibly boring. The ending of the show said a lot. Let me just play what they played that old uh, what is it, Buffalo Springfield song uh, for what it's worth. And here it is with Billy Porter. Just play just a little clip. Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. So 
It's Billy Porter, <laughs> a famously openly gay black guy from Broadway. I saw him the, uh, just a few months ago. I saw him at an awards ceremony out here in L.A. Uh, he was dressed like in a gold lame gown. He did this thing and this thing. He's singing to himself. Very serious. Really, really actually said a lot about the Democrat Party right now. Uh, the fact that uh, they're playing stuff from 1967, this song that is always used in movies to represent, oh, the turmoil and the protest songs. A lot of people think it was written about Kent State, but it wasn't. That was uh, Four Dead in Ohio. This was written about a minor uh, scuffle between the police and protesters uh, who were protesting a curfew law, which was meant to get music fans off the streets in L.A. because they were blocking traffic. And that's what they wrote it about. And the song, if you listen to the lyrics, the song doesn't take any sides. It's about how useless the whole thing is. But it's it's basically this song that represents the 60s. Now, the last time the the Democrats were this radical, it was the 60s and they were the counterculture. Now they are the culture and they're this radical again because they feel that this is their moment and we're the counterculture. So they just came across as just, it's just boring to watch this. And I was thinking, you know, the last time they had a convention uh, in uh, in the, in 67, 68, they had these riots. They had these terrible riots in Chicago. Now what they've done is they've put the convention on TV and they've sent the riots out to all the cities in America because this is always when the left rises, they become, they riot. When the left rises, they riot. They cause crime. Their crime rates go up. This is happening in the cities every time. This happened after the 60s when they took over the culture, when they were governing what, you know, who was going to be doing what. Our cities fell apart. Our our culture fell apart. It was just, uh, you know, it was terrible. And then in the 80s, it started to turn around with Ronald Reagan, guys like Rudy Giuliani in New York, who turned New York around. And now they've done it again and they're back. So there they are. And the other thing that happened last time in the 60s was that they brought down the president because they hated him so, so much. And that's what they're trying to do now. So I was really taken. I was incredibly taken with you know, let me tell you for a minute where my sense of things is right now, because it's a little different than what everybody else is saying. Uh, after I got Brad Parscale fired from being the campaign manager, I, I was on Ben's show and I said to Kellyanne Conway, you ought to fire Brad Parscale. And two days later, he was gone. So I take full credit for this. Trump's campaign has turned around completely. He has done all the things that I thought he should do. He has started to act like the president. He started to get out there and deal with the issues. I heard them on Fox News saying he's not focused. He's not focused on certain issues. They're wrong. He is he is doing incredibly good. Good work. Uh, he's he's going out and facing people. He's getting out of the White House so he can talk to crowds a little bit more, which always inspires him and always turns him on. He's got this great uh, peace deal in Israel, which now they're saying the Sudan may also sign on to this peace deal in Israel, which would be a major, major, major development. Uh, he is he is looking good on the economy. The stock market is breaking records. Uh, the uh, uh, unemployment is going down f faster than people said it was. Uh, you know, if he can just get some of the left wing to open up their, uh, some of the left wing states to open up their economies, uh, the economy would come back even faster. He is doing what he should do. He is being the president. And what the left doesn't realize, what the Democrats don't realize, okay, you have heard it here first. You are hearing it here before you've heard it anywhere else, is that he has forced Joe Biden out of the basement, but Biden doesn't know it yet. They think this thing is working. They think this policy of hiding him away. Don't let him talk. Don't let anybody see that he's brain dead. Don't let anybody see that he's really not functioning very well anymore. Don't let anybody see that he's just a mask for the socialist agenda. Don't let him out of the basement. 
they think it's still working because the polls are still, uh, it's a little dicey. Like the other day, CNN brought out a poll where suddenly there were only four points ahead instead of the normal 8%, which has been the average all this time. Now they're saying this poll is an outlier. Let's see. I don't think so. I think this is where things are turning around. The difference in this poll was a lot more men said they would vote uh, for Trump than before, and a lot more non-whites said they would vote for Trump before, and that makes sense to me. Uh, men are always the first guys who say, you know, this isn't making sense. I'm sorry. I know you're saying, I know these words are coming out of your mouth. You know, the other day, yesterday, Trump pardoned Susan B. Anthony, who was arrested for voting. So he was celebrating women getting the vote. If women couldn't vote, there would be no Democrats. Democrat presidents. It would be, if women had not gotten the vote, there would be no Democrat presidents. As far as I'm concerned, he should have given Susan B. Anthony a longer sentence. <laughs> that, that, that's a joke. But still, still, men are the first people to say, you know, this is not jiving with what's happening. Uh, and they, I think they are saying that. So that's what I think is happening. I think, they for, he, I think Trump has forced Joe Biden out of the basement where he will be destroyed. But I don't think Joe Biden knows it yet because he thinks this policy, this thing is still working and they're afraid to bring him out. So Let's take a look at this um, at this convention, because it really was. First of all, it was just kind of creepy, the whole thing. Uh, it, you know, just the fact that it was on TV. These things don't mean anything anymore. They used to be, in fact, where the decision was made. You know, the back room, the party actually, you know, was more parliamentary. The par- party actually used to choose the candidate. There could be 20 votes before they picked the candidate. There was infighting. There was in dealing. Now, by the time they get there, it's all decided. So the thing didn't mean anything anyway. And it was just a big show watching people up standing up live and cheering and guys covering this thing and interviewing delegates. And so it had some kind of you know energy as a show. It was just putting on a show who did the better show. Now it's not even that. It's an infomercial. I mean, I'm not the first person to say that, but still, that is what it is. And, you know, famously, the left is famous for accusing us of what they do. They're famous of accusing us of racism. They've even invented now this new philosophy that racism is not being racist. If you're not racist, that's racist. That's their new philosophy because it's the only way they can sell the idea that we on the right who say, no, everybody should be treated the same. That's it. If, if people were treated wrongly before, according to their race, that should be stopped. And now we should treat everybody the same. And they say, no, that's racist. So they they accuse us of what they do. They accuse us of sexism. The party of Harvey Weinstein, the party of NBC, the party of Andrew Lack, who killed the Harvey Weinstein story, the party of Matt Lauer, all these people. Uh, and, you know, they, they accuse us of sexism. But they're the ones who treat women like garbage. And they have basically defined women out of existence by saying anybody he can be a woman. So their big gun today, yesterday, was Michelle Obama. And let's let's just start with the media reaction to her speech because they have, you know, what do you think? They were really non-biased in their reaction to her speech. Just cut one. A different kind of fierce there from Michelle Obama and explaining what she means by going high in these times, in this moment in history. Kind of a sermon on empathy, but she also wielded a sledgehammer against President Trump in that speech, direct and forceful. A character endorsement of Joe Biden, but a searing indictment of Donald Trump, and also an exhortation to go out and vote early, as she said, and in person, if you can. Extraordinary speech by the First Lady, and I can't help think about even her in that earlier documentary this this year, Becoming, where she talked about her trauma. I kept thinking of the, on alarms where it says, 
break glass in case of emergency. There was glass all over the place by the end of this speech. This was an emergency speech mm -hmm. by someone who's not a politician, who has written one of the most successful books in modern times. So the slavish adoration hasn't stopped for the Obamas. Let's take a look at how the speech uh, began, where she talked about character. This is cut three. I want to start by thanking Harvey Weinstein for organizing this amazing day. This is possible because of Harvey. Uh, he is a wonderful human being, a good friend, and uh, just a powerhouse. <laughs> so that was, you know, she's a good judge of character, so she's there supporting uh, Biden. Here is from the real speech uh, where she indicted Donald Trump. This is cut uh, 23 for his treatment of immigrants. They see our leaders labeling fellow citizens enemies of the state while emboldening torch-bearing white supremacists. They watch in horror as children are torn from their families and thrown into cages and pepper spray and rubber bullets are used on peaceful protesters for a photo op. Sadly, this is the America that is on display for the next generation. This is, this is an amazing piece of dishonesty and uh, garbage, uh, really. I have to say also, she, she didn't look good to me. You know, I, I don't mean that in a sexist way, like she's not hot. I mean, she, she looked unhealthy. She looked puffy. She said recently she's been depressed lately because uh, she realized how, how much her husband has screwed up the country, uh, although she was blaming Donald Trump. So she's blaming Donald Trump for people, for immigrants being put in cages. The cages were built and used in the Obama administration. Uh, the AP reported Trump used facilities that were built during the Obama-Biden administration to house children at the border. They were chain link enclosures inside border facilities. Uh, at the height of the controversy over Trump's zero tolerance policy, this is AP, uh, at the border, photos that circulated online of children in the enclosures generated great anger. But those photos by the Associated Press were taken in 2014 and depicted some of the thousands of unaccompanied children held by President Barack Obama. When that fact came to light, some Democrats and activists who had tweeted the photos deleted their tweets, but prominent Democrats have continued to cite cages for children as a distinctive cruelty of Trump. So she's accusing the right of what the left was doing. Everything else she said was untrue. The, uh, the, uh, the fact that the tear gas has been used on peaceful protesters. Those protesters are not peaceful. They are not peaceful. Just try walking by them with a MAGA hat and you'll find out how unpeaceful uh, they are. And the uh, charges of racism in Charlottesville, of course, we know is a hoax. So all of this, absolutely ridiculous. Let's do one more. Uh, this is cut uh, 30. As George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and a never-ending list of innocent people of color continue to be murdered stating the simple fact that a black life matters is still met with derision from the nation's highest office. Because whenever we look to this White House for some leadership or consolation or any semblance of steadiness, what we get instead is chaos, division, and a total and utter lack of empathy. Oh, the utter lack of empathy. Well, what about Eric Garner and Michael Brown? They were killed under the Obama administration. Where is this endless parade of black people being unfairly killed? I mean, it really, even, even if you counted the, just the people who were unarmed, which doesn't mean they were unfairly killed by the police, it's something like eight, you know, where, of course, 90 percent of people, of black people killed by violence are killed uh, in homicides by other black people. And yet she's blaming Trump. 
Where did the division come from in this country? It came from the Obama administration. Never was the country more divided than that. It is why, as Trump himself says, it's why Trump is president, because of the division created by the Obama administration, because they took these uh, these these killings of black people and made them a racial issue, which I do not believe they are. It is blaming the right for what the left does. It is their old, old tactic. And that's all it was. It was such a dishonest speech. We're going to go on with this in just a second. But first, I got to talk about the fact that if you are running a business and I am running, a, I am the business. I am the business. Now, your business is probably not as attractive as my business because I am my business. But you still got to know the numbers. You got to know what's going on and you need all the stuff in front of you in one place. That's why you need NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. You got your finance, you got your HI, you got your inventory, your e-commerce, everything you need all in one place. So you save time, money, and headaches. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales like myself, NetSuite gives you visibility and control so you can manage every penny with precision. You can't just live in a fantasy world like I do. Even I have to come out and use a business program like NetSuite that will put your all the information you need right in front of you. You can receive a free guide, seven actions businesses need to take now and schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash Clavin. Get your free guide and schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash Clavin. Netsuite.com slash Clavin. The only way to find out how to spell Clavin is to send away for that free guide. It's K-L-A-V-A-N there. No ease. I just make it look like this. It's amazing. So then keep in keeping with the theme of the left uh, accusing the right of what they're doing, they, they bring on Andrew Cuomo as the great spokesman on how to handle the Chinese flu. This is this is truly, truly amazing. I mean, this is a guy who is now we can now see is guilty. He really is guilty for the death by negligence of uh, it's now approximately 11,000 old people who died because Cuomo forced nursing homes to take sick people in to the people who are the you know, the most uh, fragile, the most vulnerable to this disease. He put them all together. Now the disease has dropped down, but Florida has dropped down too and never, never reached the kind of numbers. And this is the thing when the New York Times, which goes out of its way to A, to scare people and B, to make it look as if Donald Trump has done a particularly bad job when they compare our numbers to the numbers in Great Britain. Great Britain, a country the size of Oregon, if we compared Great Britain to Oregon, that would be fair. But if you compare it to New York, if you take New York as a country and you say, well, who runs New York? Andrew Cuomo. Then it's a disaster. And that is the problem. So here he comes out and he makes this incredible. He turns the th- he says it's not really the, the flu isn't the problem. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. <laughs> it's like 10, 11,000 people dead by his hands. It's over 30,000 in the whole state. And it's a metaphor. It's just a me- it's a metaphor for the political. It's not it's not these aren't real lives. This isn't a real thing happening. And this is this is the one that got me. This is cut six. Uh, the way what he accused Trump of this is cut six. Donald Trump didn't create the initial division. The division created Trump. He only made it worse. Our collective strength is exercised through government. It is, in effect, our immune system. And our current federal government is dysfunctional and incompetent. It couldn't fight off the virus. In fact, it didn't even see it coming. The European virus infected the Northeast while the White House was still fixated on China. The European virus. 
This is because Trump calls it the China virus. If Trump said the European virus, it would be, oh, Trump is insulting our allies, our fine Western allies. But he can say the European virus because it traveled from China to Europe to New York. So he's calling it the European virus, which is basically like saying that Trump, you know, Trump blamed the cow for producing milk when everybody knows it comes from the uh, the supermarket. <laughs> I mean, it came from China. What is he talking about while Trump was fixated on China? Trump closing off uh, immigration from China likely saved thousands of lives as opposed to what Andrew Cuomo did. This is the thing. It is all illusion. It is just amazing. And the big illusion, the chief illusion is that Joe Biden is running for president because Joe Biden was they almost didn't mention him in this entire thing. Uh, but Trump said the real told the real truth about Joe Biden. This is cut number twenty nine. When you look at the numbers, you're going to have an even greater year next year, unless somebody comes in and quadruples your taxes, in which case it's called the depression, folks. It's called a depression. It's not going to happen because we're going to win. Biden is just a Trojan horse for socialism. He is. He's a Trojan horse. He has no clue. But the people around him are tough and they're smart. But we disagree with them very, very strongly. They're mean and they're angry. Now, they say he's a Trojan horse, but the the uh, Greek soldiers were hidden inside the Trojan horse. This is in plain sight. This is really in plain sight. You know, Biden is just like a mask, but he's like one of those three dollar Halloween masks, you know, with the little stupid rubber band string behind it. It's not even really covering it up. I mean, here is. Uh, one of the delegates on a youth panel, a DNC youth panel who spoke, uh, saying this openly is cut 11. This future that we all want, that we're all trying to build, um, really is about the destruction of colonization, white supremacy, and capitalism. We must, uh, we must really move away from these uh, systems and these frameworks if we really want to live in a future that does have a regenerative economy and um, does enable liberation and equity for our communities. So, I mean, you know, like when you say the Trojan Horse, you got to give Odysseus some credit. He hid those Greek soldiers really well. They're not hiding this at all. Bernie Sanders is speaking. I, I want to say something about Bernie Sanders speaking, but let's hear a little bit from him first. This is cut uh, 21. Our campaign ended several months ago, but our movement continues and is getting stronger every day. Many of the ideas we fought for that just a few years ago were considered radical are now mainstream. So he's he's basically saying that I won. I got I got what I wanted. And that is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. But here's this one I want to say. This is a guy who praised the Soviet Union who praises Cuba, who was supporting the communists in South America. These, these guys who slaughtered hundreds, tens of millions of their people in the name of the philosophy he believes in. How is he in any way, shape or form a moral voice? How is he a moral voice? How is he speaking at this convention representing a moral position. This is the whole theme, really, the real under theme of the whole day was please don't desert the party, you communists. We'll get to you eventually. We love Bernie. Bernie is in control. Bernie is actually uh, the the voice behind uh, the mask of Joe Biden. That was the theme. That was the theme. It was the big, you know, uh, Michelle Obama was wearing a vote uh, necklace that all oh, the news thought that was so clever. V-O-T-E. They actually spelled it out on the network. So V-O-T. Wow. V-O-T, what, oh, vote. 
wow, that's amazing. Who was she speaking to? She wasn't speaking to all the people who will come out and turn out for Biden no, no matter what. She was speaking to the radical left saying, you know, we got this. It's all going to be OK. How is it a moral voice to represent a philosophy with hundreds of millions dead, with 100 million people at least murdered, murdered in the name of that philosophy? It's really it is it is no different. It is no different underneath uh, than supporting fascism, than supporting Nazism, which also was responsible for tens of millions of, of murders. How, you know, how, how on earth can you justify having that guy as a spokesman? And, and Tom Perez, the head of the DNC, is basically advertising this as well as cut eight. The platform is a bold del- uh, document. It's both uh, inspirational and aspirational. Uh, the input from Senator Sanders and others was invaluable to putting that together. Uh, the vice president and Senator Sanders convened a series of policy groups on critical issues. You see, and the thing is, because Hillary Clinton beat Sanders, although, uh, you know, a lot of people feel that that was rigged, but OK, it was rigged, but the, she she won. And she felt absolutely no necessity to give him any quarter, any compromise whatsoever. And she lost. And they want to make sure that doesn't happen again. So Biden invited uh, pol- policy team people from Bernie's campaign to join his own teams, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I'm reading this now from the Wall Street Journal. Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez co-chaired the task force on climate change. This is this loony tune who wrote the Green New Deal, uh, something that would drive this country back into bankruptcy in the Stone Age, which is what they want because they hate this country. Uh, Stephanie Kelton, the evangelist for modern monetary theory or cost-free money printing, that's got to work really well. She sat on the economy panel. Uh, Representative Pramila Jayapal, the Seattle proponent of Medicare for All, co-chaired the healthcare group. Let me just read a little bit of this. The 110-page Biden-Sanders manifesto is the most radical policy document of either major party in our lifetimes. It leaps to the left of the Obama administration on nearly every policy area from education to taxes to climate change. The cost of all this and more isn't provided, but it will run into the multi-trillions of dollars and the public works projects that require federal permission or money will have to pass a climate test, which means that would eliminate fossil fuel projects or real projects. By the way, we're, we're in California where we're having a heat wave and they're cutting off the electricity because they've got green energy here and they haven't got enough of it to go around. Right-to-work laws would be repealed, labor law rewritten to favor unions, most student loans would be written off, and public college would be free to families making less than $125,000 a year. The manifesto ducks the political poison of Medicare for all, but it gets there anyway via the installment plan. Most striking, again, from the Wall Street Journal, is how the manifesto filters every public policy through the lens of critical race theory and political identity. If you love the what's happening in this country now, if you love the riots, if you love the Stalinist show trial apologies from Drew Brees saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, don't respect the flag. And now I realize, you know, in, in order to keep his job, he's got to say that other people have lost their job because they didn't kowtow to the terrorists at Black Lives Matter. If you love that, just wait. Just wait. And by the way, they're they're telling us, here's Ayanna Presley, one of the squad members, praising the rioters. Cut 13. Right now, we are managing against converging public health and economic crises amid a national reckoning on racial injustice in this country. Communities from Boston to Portland and everywhere in between are rising up to demand accountability and divestment from broken systems. They're rising up. 
They're rising up. So you've got it. You've got sexual craziness. You've got this guy singing a 60s song uh, who shows up in a dress. You've got them blaming the right for what the left has done. You've got them praising socialism. You've got them praising violence. And they're still boring. And they're boring because it's not countercultural anymore. It is the culture. It's not rebellious anymore. It's conformity. It's conformity. It, it is mass conformity. It's not cool. It's not hip. It's just a bunch of old people remembering their heydays in the 60s when it was easier to get girls and you didn't get blamed for it. That's all it is. We're the counterculture. If only we would grasp that idea and actually act like a, cult, a counterculture and fight back. All right. Um, you know, I have to say that I'm on my computer all the time and I'm constantly looking at all the stuff I got to look at so I can bring you this show. And I don't want people taking my information. I don't want people stealing my identity because I know once that happens, it is just a mess. And so you want to use LifeLock. I use LifeLock. It really is helpful. Every day we put our information at risk on the internet. LifeLock is there to help us keep it safe. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. They have notified me a couple of times of threats. I was really glad to be able to track them down and see what was going on. And if they detect your information, your information has potentially been compromised. They'll send you an alert. And, and if somebody steals your identity, they will help you put your life back together again. And that to me is invaluable. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year. Go to LifeLock.com slash Clavin. That's LifeLock.com slash Clavin for 25% off. And you can go on the dark web and find out how to spell Clavin because that's the only place they'll tell you. It's that's it. That's that's what I was going to say. Also, you want to subscribe to All Access. I did my All Access Live last night. We had a great time. I really loved doing that show. I got to tell you, I got to talk kind of directly to people. You write in questions and I answer them, but I hear what people are thinking. They have time to this time over the course of the hour for them to write back and add uh, extra things. So I really get to hear what people are thinking, which I'm actually more interested in than what I'm thinking, because I already know what I'm thinking. I like to hear what you guys are thinking. So please uh, sign up. Plus, this Thursday, August 20th, there'll be a special all-access live stream watch party covering the DNC with Matt Walsh. That starts at 8.45 p.m. Eastern, 5.45 p.m. Pacific. You get all the goodies, exclusive access to live online discussions with hosts, uh, two leftist tears tumblers, and of course, you can be in the mailbag on my show, so all your problems will be solved. Sign up at dailywire.com slash Clavin with coupon code ACCESS to get 20% off your membership, and make sure you do it as Clavin, otherwise the credit will go to some fool who, you know, doesn't deserve it. And you know who I'm talking about. It's Yeah. All right. Meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, I've got to show you what's going on, something going on on the other side that I just found amazing. There is this ad, uh, a, a lady running for the 7th District uh, in uh, Maryland as Congresswoman in the 7th District in Maryland, which has never been uh, represented by a Republican. It was Elijah Cummings' uh, district before. And you remember uh, that th this is the woman who called, said Elijah Cummings' district was covered in rats covered with rats and sort of protect Elijah Cummings, the media as well. Well, rats have rights too. Rats are children of God. You know, I mean, it's like whatever they could come up and say. This woman, his name is Kim Klasik. 
And I'm, I'm going to play a little bit of this ad because it's gone viral. It is just an amazing, amazing ad and so true. Uh, but I, if you're listening and not watching, I want to just ca- uh, paint the picture for you. This woman is hotter than the hinges of hell. She is a real looker. And I know, you know, you're not supposed to notice. Wait, well, well, why would you talk about a woman's look when you went? Yeah, never mind. This woman was literally Mrs. Baltimore of 2014. She is wearing this form-fitting red dress. Uh, she's a bombshell, and she's wearing these these high-heeled red shoes that gave me a, a stutter. And she's walking through. I'm just, just going to be honest. I'm telling you the truth. So in case you're not watching it, I got to set the scene. She is walking through the hellscape of Baltimore that we all saw on the wire. It is just absolutely, I, I, you, know, you can't even describe it. It looks like Beirut, basically. And so she's just striding through this and talking. And here's a little bit, a clip of that. This is Baltimore, the real Baltimore. This is the reality for black people every single day. Crumbling infrastructure, abandoned homes, poverty, and crime. Baltimore has been run by the Democrat Party for 53 years. What is the result of their decades of leadership? Baltimore is one of the top five most dangerous cities in America. The murder rate in Baltimore is 10 times the U.S. average. The Baltimore poverty rate is over 20%. Homicide, drug, and alcohol deaths are skyrocketing in our city. Do you believe Black Lives Matter? I do. The vast majority of crime in Baltimore is perpetrated against Black people, who make up 60% of the population. So why don't we care about our communities? It's an amazing ad. It goes on for like three minutes. And the point You know, this is the thing. She's talking about 50 years of Democrat governance, 50 years. At what point do even guilty white liberals who are being gamed by this uh, party, at what point do they say, you know, this isn't working and Trump did bring jobs to black people. And all of this stuff about his racism is all about language. It's all about the things that we don't say in our fancy parties because we we have to show each other how virtuous we are. Fancy parties, by the way, where no black people are invited. But but we show, show, by the way we speak, we show how virtuous we are. When are they going to match reality to their ideas? And Trump, by the way, makes the larger point about this uh, from this... um, let me make sure I have her name right again. It's, it's Kim Klasik, K-L-A-C-I-K. Um, and he, Trump makes the larger point. This is cut seven. You want the failed policies of Mayor Bill de Blasio or Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Chicago, or Mayor Jacob Fry brought to every city and town in this nation? If left-wing Democrats can't run a city, why on earth would you let them run your country? We have such incredibly run cities, such incredibly run cities. The problems we have are the radical left. The problem we have is the radical left. The problem we have is policy. It's really not about how bumptious Donald Trump is, and he is. It's not about, you know, how, how uh, smooth and uh, attractive uh, Michelle Obama is when she speaks or anything like that. It's about the policies, and their policies suck, and they stink. And, you know, I, I, I'm beginning to feel naive a little bit. You know, I, I keep thinking at some point, at some point, people of goodwill look at the reality and say, this isn't working. This doesn't work. This social, I mean, this is the thing about Bernie Sanders. It's almost mental illness to live as long as Bernie Sanders has, has lived and not change your mind in the face of so much evidence. It's almost, there's almost something wrong with that, you know, to not change your mind. It's, it's like, 
at what point, you know, when he starts talking, well, I don't mean the bad socialism. I mean, the good socialism over in Scandinavia and go like, well, Scandinavia doesn't have socialism. Oh, well, I don't know about that. And you think like, well, what are you what are you talking about? When has this worked? Where has it worked? What proof have you got that it will ever work? It has never worked. What when do you change? And I feel naive. You know, the other day we had uh, John MacArthur, the pastor on and Jenna Ellis, who's defending him against California, which is trying to shut down religion. It's basically saying, yeah, you can riot, but you can't uh, you can't pray. And and MacArthur is standing up to them. And I said to MacArthur, you know, I, I would think that every church would take this tack. It's not that they need to crowd into small buildings and say, we defy the fact that there's a a virus around. It's that they should say, you have no right to shut down churches under the First Amendment. You literally, I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I don't care what anybody says. If the Supreme Court says you have freedom of speech and freedom of worship, you can't say, oh, yes, you can go into a peaceful protest, but no, you can't go to church. That does not make sense under the First Amendment. It doesn't make sense that we have a First Amendment which protects us from the government, right? It protects from us from government restrictions of speech, it doesn't make sense to me that the government can then say, oh yeah, but we choose which speech you're going to be able to do. We choose which speech is free. You know, that doesn't make any sense. That's not the First Amendment. So I, I said to MacArthur, you know, I would think that every church would be doing this, no matter what they believe, no matter what they believe about the virus. You'd think they'd be meeting out on the beach. You'd think they'd be meeting outside in some patio somewhere, you know, anything to make sure that they make the statement that no matter whether we're a liberal church or a conservative church, we have a right that supersedes the government's right. We have a right to meet that supersedes the government, right? This has always been the Supreme Court's point of view that you can't specifically uh, target religion, right? You can say, well, religion has to follow the laws everybody else follows. So we're shutting down everybody, including religion. That That's possible. But you can't say, oh, we're not shutting down peaceful protests, but we are shutting down religion. You cannot do it. And I said, to, you know, and I, as I was talking, I was listening to myself and I'm thinking, God, Clavin, you know, you're, you're still naive, you know, like you've seen the corruption, you know what the world is like, and you're still talking like people are going to say, oh yeah, we're going to follow our principles. We're going to stand up for integrity. We're going to stand up for the right thing. You know, Jesus said you should be as a little child. It's the one commandment of Jesus as I've managed to follow completely because I continue to think that at some point, People are going to say, no, you know what? Reality wins. Reality wins. You know, Franklin Templeton, a good organization, put out a report uh, saying six months into this pandemic, Americans still dramatically misunderstand the risk of dying from COVID-19. Listen to this. On average, Americans believe that people aged 55 and older account for just over half of total COVID-19 deaths. The actual figure is 92%. This is why we have to save the Clavin, right? People over 55 represent 92% of the deaths from this disease. Americans believe, and, and Americans believe they only represent half. Americans believe that people aged 44 and younger account for about 30% of total deaths. The actual figure is 2 one-tenth of what they believe. 2.7% of deaths are people aged 44 and younger, but people think they're 30% of deaths. Americans overestimate the risk of death from COVID-19 for people aged 24 and younger by a factor of 50, and they think the risk for people aged 65 and older is half of what it actually is. They think it's 40% versus 80%. That doesn't, uh, I'm not sure that they wrote that right. They don't mean that 80% of people 65 and older who get the flu die of it. They mean 80% of the people who die are 65 and old. I think that's what they mean, 65 and older. Uh, I hope that's what they mean. Um, anyway, 
This misperception translates directly into a degree of fear for one's health that most people vastly exceeds the actual risk. Uh, People who get their information predominantly from social media have the most erroneous and distorted perception of risk. But those who identify as Democrats tend to mistakenly overstate the risk of death from COVID-19 for younger people much more than Republicans because they're being lied to more than we are. They are being lied to uh, by a, a vaster number of people. At some point, at some point, people of goodwill have got to set their ideologies aside and embrace the truth, really, because the truth will set you free. All right, let me just uh, end with, I just have to pay tribute. We were talking about Jenna Ellis, our friend. You know, this show has been the launch pad for a number of people. Candace Owens, uh, Jordan Peterson was here very early on. Uh, even Michael Knowles, for which, yes, I'm sorry, I apologize, but he really did, he will tell you, he got his start coming on this show. Why, how did we allow that to happen? I, I, I don't, there should be an investigation. Jenna Ellis, early adapter. I saw her and I thought this woman is great. She's smart. She's lovely. She is really eloquent and she has done great. And now she's part of the Trump campaign and she's defending John MacArthur. Now she has hit the height of fame. She has been criticized by Marge Simpson. Uh, She pointed out, she pointed out that Kamala Harris uh, sounded like Marge Simpson and Marge Simpson came on and attacked Jenna Ellis. I usually don't get into politics, but the president's senior advisor, Jenna Ellis, just said Kamala Harris sounds like me. Lisa says she doesn't mean it as a compliment. If that's so, as an ordinary suburban housewife, I'm starting to feel a little disrespected. I teach my children not to name call Jenna. (laughs) We're so proud. Jenna, we are so proud of you that you have been attacked on The Simpsons. I'm, I, you know, I'm sorry you weren't attacked back when the show was actually funny, but still, it's still a famous, iconic show, and uh, you have you have made it. You have made it to the top. Don't forget the little people uh, who made you what you are today. All right, tomorrow, the mailbag. Get your questions in. Go to and, uh, Andrew Clavin. Go to dailywire.com. Go to the podcast. Hit the Andrew Clavin podcast. Hit the mailbag. All your problems will be solved, and you will scream like a banshee. Uh, What else can you ask for on The Andrew Clavin Show? Be there. I'm Andrew Clavin. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review. And also tell your friends to subscribe, too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director is Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm-hmm.